Assassin down the... Okay, that's fine. I don't need to worry. Okay. Uh, here we go. Ben does what he wants means I do what I want. Everybody, welcome to another episode of Ben Does What He Wants. Honestly, this is maybe not a hot takes episode, but uh, it's I just like playing that song, so that's where we're at. Um, so welcome all. I'm Ben Schlofelt. www.benschlofelt.squarespace.com. Hit me up, folks. <laughs> uh, and I want to welcome Tank. Well, Tank. At what point does a nickname become too much? Um, I think when the user has to consider whether or not to use it, I think that's when it becomes too much. Which do you you don't inter- introduce ha- yourself as Tank? Do you? I, it depends on the context, actually. Really? Would you a friend of a friend? You would just say like, "Oh yeah, I'm Tank," because they probably would have introduced you as such anyway. If that's yeah. If that's how I was introduced to them, I would live up to that. Yeah. Crack. I feel like a lot of the uh, the people that I run into through music refer to me by as tank because that's what it says on a business card oh oh so you you perpetuate it yourself i do i do okay Guilty. well why don't you tell your tell people who you are as much whatever name you care to share sure i'm uh brian tank <laughs> blankenship or butterscotch or, or something. butterscotch right it, again it depends on the context if it, if i know them through through college or through theater performance then then i go by butterscotch but uh yeah i'm a uh an educator and musician living in the Chicagoland area. I think it's pretty fortunate that uh, I don't have a nickname. Maybe that's good. I don't know. Because I had, I don't know if you know, uh, Tins, Matt Tins Herzow was on earlier this year. And I know him as Tins. You can know, give that up. <laughs> <laughs> this is not uh, fascist Europe. You can open your can of beer. Um and I think we talked about nicknames then, too, because uh, sometimes I forget people's names when I only know them by their nickname. Which I think is the the best form of a nickname is when you just come to fully associate somebody as your identity that, drifts that's away. Name, yeah. And now you're Tank. Yeah, that's not, that's how I introduce you. Is, is I'm good tank. with that. Well, good. Good. That makes life easier for me because Tank is a lot easier to remember than Brian. What a hard. <laughs> it's uh, do you spell it with a Y? You're an I. I'm an I. Yeah. Yeah. That's my which uncle. is the correct way to spell it. My dad spells it with a Y. Oh, as does Brian. Cranston. I, no- I have no response to that. <laughs> you win. All right. Um, wait. So you're you're a musician here in the Chicagoland area. I am. Do you have any plugs? I sure. Them at the beginning. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, the easiest way to to kind of track where I'm playing is with uh, with my band. My wife and I are actually in a a folk roots band called Tank and the Bees. Um, They're quite good. Thank you. Uh, so we play old time acoustic roots music. Uh, Pre nineteen fifty American roots. So. Oh, it has. To, you have a cutoff. I mean, that's like classic Simpsons versus all the rest. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's not a hard and fast thing, but I think it's just an easy way for me to structure it, and um, that when somebody um, requests like, uh, insert country musician here, 
Blake Shelton. Mm. Is that a country person? Yeah. That I have a reason to say, oh, no, we only play pre-1950 uh, folk music, folk it, and roots music. It's for the sake of requests. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's the easiest way to say no to somebody. <laughs> well, yeah, you mean, you don't, you're not actually saying no to them. You're saying, I don't know that song. Um, or you, or because you're like, well, you have a specific genre. It's like it I is. wouldn't go up to uh, you know a, a Beatles tribute band and ask them to play uh, Enter Sandman. You might not, but I. There are people that w- that's. Oh my God, man! It's it's on my. You're you're. Oh great! You're in my head. Well, man. let's you're, you're let's get list. right into it. So, Virginia Nicholson writes. Fifty years on, we may judge that Dylan Thomas Thomas is po- po- I'm gonna start that over again. Okay. <laughs> Virginia Nicholson writes, 50 years on, we may judge that Dylan Thomas's poverty was noble, while Nina Hamnett's was senseless. But a minor artist with no money goes as hungry as a genius. What drove them to do it? I believe that such people were not only choosing art, they were choosing the life of the artist. Art offered them a different way of living, one that they believed more than compensated for the loss of comfort and respectability. That's my opening quote from Virginia Nicholson, who wrote on uh, Bohemian Lifestyle. I like it. Um, now, we are not talking specifically about starving artists. Neither of us are starving. Sure. Um, but I think it's a good place to open up the discussion on making art in the modern era and not getting as far as we'd like. Also, quick note, I do have fans on. If you're hearing a humming, uh, it's hot. It's August in Chicago, and I don't have central air. I'm a starving artist. <laughs> brought it around full circle. A starving artist is an artist who sacrifices material well-being in order to focus on their artwork. Uh, they typically live on minimum expenses, either for lack of business or because all their disposable income goes towards art projects. Some starving artists desire mainstream success but have difficulty due to high barriers to entry fields such as the visual arts, the film industry, and theater. These artists frequently take temporary positions such as wagering or other service industry jobs while they focus uh, their attention on, quote-unquote, breaking through in their preferred field. Other artists may find enough satisfaction in living as artists uh, to choose voluntary poverty regardless of their prospects or future financial reward or broad recognition. Uh, The idea of throwing caution to the wind to pursue a dream of making meaningful art is very common when we see it in movies all the time. Books and stuff like A Star is Born, Inside Llewellyn Davis, Rent, Cabaret, etc., etc. The starving artist is a big part of uh, American culture. Like the way we we like our artists to be starving, even though the ones we know the best are the richest. (laughs) Beyonce is an artist who is very rich. Uh, It becomes easy to conflate the bohemian lifestyle with the starving artist as their histories are fairly intertwined. But I'd like to contemporize this and focus on the ways that you, Tank and I, uh, live making art to some degree, uh, while you, I would argue, you make more art more regularly for a broader audience, while ensuring that we are also functioning, tax-paying members of society. I like to call this a domesticated starving artist, perhaps. I do like that. I don't know. Uh, so there isn't a Wikipedia page on on this without like getting into. I don't. It's not. We're, we're not Bohemians. I am not a Bohemian. No, I wouldn't classify myself. 
You uh, you went either. You were in a brew moon. Well, maybe I don't know. This is a free T-shirt, to be totally honest. So it looks pretty. It looks like a. Uh, I have a milkman shirt from my grandfather. It's very reminiscent of a of a working class button up shirt. That's what I. That's what I'm striving for. Is like that working working man look. Yeah. So you know, domesticated starving art. Like you don't want to look like you're a working man. Sure. You work. Uh, there isn't a Wikipedia page on this lifestyle, so I'm going to describe some of the qualities of my life that I think you and I probably share. You as in Tank. Sorry, audience, I'm not talking. This is not directed at you. Uh, but you may feel this way. I don't know. I don't know who's listening right now. Uh, so we like the idea of home ownership. Maybe owning a home someday. Absolutely. A family, or at least feeling like we can afford one. Uh, reliable income. That includes things like health benefits. Absolutely. Um, perhaps a 401k. Retirement. Being able to retire um, is a, isn't a nice thing. Making art that fulfills my fucking soul would be a, a nice thing. Maintaining a healthy relationship with my significant other, family, and friends, and doing what I can to stay healthy. Now, this sounds like a fantasy. I, I know that. Uh, aside from food and shelter, th- what I just listed are the things that most humans want to be happy, or they think will make them happy. But the part where I feel compelled to make... Uh, a distinction is is the the art bit. Um, I think it puts a wrench in the whole thing. I feel like I see people whose careers is like the the source of their identity. You know, when they get so when they get home, they 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 can relax because they feel like they have done the thing that makes them who they are. Um, you know, you're saying you're a teacher. I'd use that as an example potentially sure. of somebody like I went to my job to my career today and I taught students arithmetic and I feel like I have done a good thing and I feel validated and, and satisfied. Um, now where was I? Okay. So I crave to make, some <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's like actually a yeah, yeah, teacher. Now I speak, uh, now I won't speak for you tank, but my job doesn't even come close to giving me a sense of purpose. Purpose is a big word too. Uh, and I think it's a far cry from satisfying. I'm in facilities management. It's not, it's not glamorous. So but, you don't introduce yourself as a facilities Management associate? I would not. Okay. I would not. Like I would say, like, well, I'm an actor, uh, but that doesn't pay the bills, so I do facilities do you, management. Do you feel like you have to justify it? Do you have you ever felt comfortable walking up? Hey, my name's Ben. I'm I'm an actor. Not really. Okay. And we <laughs> no, we no, can no, we can get into that no, later. No, but yeah. I but I'm always curious at the at what point do does someone feel comfortable making that that distinction of themselves and, and I labeling themselves. I usually say that when you can make a living off of that thing, that is, then it's your profession. Like then being a, being a voiceover actor is not my profession. It is a hobby that I do that pays me money sometimes, like, which is not what I want it to be. I mean, I audition all the time and I just don't get paid very often for it. You know, I don't, yeah. get, I don't get booked as often as I'd like. Well, but and, and to like back up from this even further, I mean like not to, to kibosh the whole, this whole train of thought, but but it, it's kind of bullshit, is it not, that, that someone has to define themselves at all? Like, why is that? Why, why do we feel the need to do that? Why? If someone if hi, my name's Steve and I'm a lawyer. What? I don't care. Well, maybe you do a lot. So, Tank, you might be an exceptional person who's, who sees people uh, for who they are, perhaps in, in their souls. But most people. The, a point of entry for conversation in internet. I'm th- speaking practically. You're right. Yeah. Is yeah. like uh, they even if they don't say that, someone might pry and say like, "So Steve, your name's Steve. Uh, how has the name Steve treated?" They're not going to ask <laughs> that. They're going to ask, 
So, uh, so what do you, what do you do, Steve? Where right? do you, yeah, what do you do? Where are you from? Yeah, that's pretty standard. Yeah, not. I do think you're right. I I think you're getting to why do we have to identify identify ourselves with our jobs? Right, as if that that indicates anything about you. Uh, you, you know, I, if if someone were to uh, someone were to identify themselves as a lawyer, and another person identifies themselves as a lawyer, what? Do, it doesn't necessarily indicate that those two people share any similar qualities or traits. Aside from having gone to law school sure. and passed the bar. Um, usually, I am, again, I imagine for most people it's like, a oh, so that's how you chose to spend your life. Or, oh, oh, you're that educated. I should speak this way to you. I think it's, we look for indicators. We look for ways, like, they become an audience and you know, like, well, my audience is... We assume lawyers aren't dumb, so maybe we won't we won't tell the uh, the fart joke. <laughs> Not that smart people can't like fart jokes, right? But maybe we'll tell we or we won't tell the joke about uh, uh, the only good lawyer is a dead lawyer. Well, you uh, know, <laughs> but and that makes it that makes a uh, an interesting assumption that someone at an entry level position is. Not educated or ill-educated or wouldn't I, understand a joke like that. Yes, uh, no, I, I think that's a that's a problem with you know, when it comes to quick judgments based on like yeah I'm um, I am in, so all three of the people my peer well both my peers my superior my immediate superior and my peer we all have college educations but we're all in facilities mm-hmm. which you don't need a college education for but people like still prefer hiring you because you have a college education which usually means. I think anymore just means you're not flaky and you can commit to something. Yeah, <laughs> it indicates a level of dedication, yeah. I think. And that's, I think that's, that's about all that people look for. When yeah. they say, oh, you have a bachelor's? I don't care what it's in. <laughs> you can, you here, here's your mop. <laughs> we know you need the money and you know, you know that you need the money. But that becomes a point of contention in some instances. I know I, I, I worked in maintenance coming up through college and I, I, um, I was supervised by a guy who, I, I, I don't know if he had a college degree or not, but he knew that this was my summer college job and, and would constant, if I ever had a question about something, oh, you know, he'd be, you know, he'd, he'd say, oh, you need to, you need to, to you, you need to, to strip the floors there. And I say, okay, well, what, what do I strip the floors with? And he said, oh, you, you didn't learn that in college? Oh, yeah. Um, believe it or not, no, my liberal arts education did not teach me which chemicals to strip a floor with. I was doing a fireworks shoot, uh, like six years ago. And, uh, a lot of people who do fireworks shoots are, um, in like they're union union workers that are like firefighters or in, in this case they're like electricians and construction workers but they're all in the union like they're hardworking uh, salt of the earth kind of guys yeah and we were doing a shoot at the University of Iowa at the, the lawn there out in front of the uh, the IMU and they I was going to college at the time at that very institution and these a lot of these guys didn't hesitate to like when they saw a college kid that maybe didn't. I don't know, did something silly like, like, can't teach everything in college, can you? Or like, they were making fun of these. Right. And it it, it felt like a jab at, an, an indirect jab at me because like, well, yeah, I'm I'm going to college and I'm not going to learn the stuff that you're learning no. because I, I chose not to pursue that vocation. Um, but I'm also I'm not going to argue with the 45 year old <laughs> right. head of the shoot. You know, you're not going to change his mind. Either, yeah, so. ex- and that not that I would want to. Like, he, he's he's he enjoys his bush light, and and that's he says that to like <laughs> I don't enjoy bush light. We we, sh- but he's like he's as also- we sit here drinking our craft yeah. IPAs. That's right. Um, not to say he's a bad guy or anything like that. We just we're different. Um, we're different. Uh, what? Uh, so I haven't done. Oh. Well, <laughs> So when I get when I get home back to back to my little 
when I get home, I crave to make something that makes me feel like I'm I'm doing something. Anything with my life that I can look back and have some evidence that I accomplished something, like recording a podcast, for instance. So I haven't done much theater in a while, but I still do voiceover, which I said earlier. Uh, when I can stand, when I can, I do this podcast, and I don't go nuts. However, man, oh man, Scott, 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 Scott. man, oh man, Tank, <laughs> you put that name in my head, man, oh man, Tank, am I tired after I get home from work? Sometimes it's just enough to make dinner, clean dishes, get a light jog in, uh, so I don't feel, you know, like a pudgy fellow. Uh, then it's, by that time, it's like bedtime, and then you go to sleep, and then you do it all over again. Who's got time for art? Now, Tank, you may just tell me to quit my job. You'll just come and say, Ben, you, you got complaints? Quit my job. But then I lose the steady income, the item in the list that seems so important. Uh, uh, income I need to pay rent, utilities, buy food. I'm not telling you this so you can fix it, Tank, or audience. It's no one's job but my own to fix this kind of luxurious problem of living pretty well but hating my job and ultimately not feeling artistic fulfillment. Because I have a great life. But let's but uh, let's talk about why we feel that way, right? Why, why at least why I do, and I assume like to an extent that that's that's what's going on with you, maybe. Like you, you have to teach. Well, we we'll get to it. Yeah. Does this resonate with you, Tank, or the audience? Write to me if it does. Uh, maybe this little uh, this is a little more existential than we were all thinking. Uh, you mentioned you want to talk about being an artist in Chicago specifically. So, Tank, tell us your story. All right. So, uh, and it's interesting that when I, you asked me to introduce myself, I said, oh, I'm an educator and musician. I felt yeah. like I needed to throw that in there. I would have thought that you probably, do you teach music? I tank? do. One okay. of the things I teach, I, I, um, my, let, let's say this, my primary source of income is not <laughs> from teaching music. It's from teaching high school English. Um, but I do teach music. And then um, I, I have a steady amount of income that comes from performing music or, you know, writing music or arranging it or, you know, what have you, whatever needs to happen. Um, but yeah, it's only actually in recent years that I've felt comfortable enough to start introducing myself as a musician to people. Oh, so this, this is a, a story of hope for all of us, <laughs> I think, right? I, you could, what's... you could make that argument. Yeah, definitely. I, and I, I don't know what the turning point was. I, it was probably just when jobs kind of started coming in at a, at, a, at a steady rate, like when I always had something lined up. It's difficult to say if someone, if you introduce yourself as a musician or an, or, or a, an artist to somebody, and inevitably the next question from them is going to be, oh, where are you playing next? Are you yeah. performing next? What are you, or, or oh, what are you working yeah, on exactly. right now? Yep, yep. Um, and if you don't have an answer locked and loaded, it's really hard to justify saying, oh, I'm a musician right now, but I'm kind of taking a break right now. Or, you know, I, I don't have anything booked for the next six months. <laughs> well, it's months. like, that's the joke. Like, uh, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a data analyst. Oh, where are you working right now? Uh, I'm uh, between <laughs> exactly. jobs yeah. right I've now. I've actually never analyzed data, data. But, but I am a data analyst I mean, in like, my heart. You know, I look at some numbers. I'm like, that's a five. That's a seven. Mm. That's data anal. Like those are num. Like that's how many pieces of toast I have, and that's how many apples I got. That's some data, and it's been thoroughly analyzed. Wouldn't it be great to see the like the mirror image of what you and I are experiencing? Some guy who who's who who made it big as like this famous actor on Broadway, and he just goes home every night, and he's like, God, I wish I could data analyze right now. <laughs> I wish I had the energy and time to be an accountant. Oh, just so much. It looks it's just like. 
So that's actually kind of uh, so. Speaking of Scott, so Scott's got a buddy who I've met a few times. He's a nice guy. He's um, I probably name dropped him on the show as if like, yes, he's the famous person I know. But he's on um, Yellowstone. Um, it's a it's a television show on the Paramount Network. <laughs> Kevin Costner is in it. <laughs> ben looks at my face and notices he, he, that I I I don't I obviously don't. You're know, a musician. You don't context. watch TV. Yeah. Um, but he, so his name's Jefferson White on TV. Jeff, I know him as Jeff. Um, and Scott was telling me that he kind of has that he has what you were kind of like, he wonders sometimes about like, so he's a, he's a, perf- he's a working actor. He's yeah. on television. He mm-hmm. makes, he makes his living doing that and a good living. Um, but he mentioned to me once that he feels like sometimes disconnected from society because he has never had to like work, uh, a, like a, a labor intensive job you know, or not like. Not labor intensive. Being an actor can be very yeah, taxing, um, physically, mentally. But like, you know, he hasn't worked at a convenience store it's for not, yeah, seven there's months. There's been no nine to five grind. Or exactly. Like that. The monotonous quality of uh, the, the thing that all of us seem to lament, and that Hollywood tends to like make commentaries on when you watch movies like Stranger Than Fiction. Like, we got to get out of our ruts. Yeah. In Hollywood, we really don't. Our, our rut is making movies. It's pretty great. <laughs> I like this fictitious Hollywood executive that you. Our life is great. great. Um, I, well, I, it's interesting too because I think though the people that that accelerate or that that excel in like the the nine to five grind that do really good professionally and i don't know you know do really good i don't know what how it depends on how you equate success right in a career it's a weird uh... but um i would i would wager that a lot of those people would struggle with uh, a career in the arts if they they were working the schedules that that this jefferson guy was was working they they would not be able to do it because it's not they're just wired differently and that's that that is generally what i've noticed the people that are so it's it's also not like the most the the life of any artist i have found is not the most conducive to uh keeping a a healthy relationship like unless you're both in some not usually the same field it depends on the field like um two actors dating or being married doesn't work out as often as like an actor and a visual artist like they both understand what the the commitment it takes to art and that you have to exist autonomously from your partner. Um, and I think I know a lot of, quote-unquote, normies. <laughs> you know, the non-artist people. Uh, who who have less... Ref- like, the the relationship is the thing that perhaps is, is what is most important to them. Or, like, being a unified, uh, you know... Uh, entity is it, it's difficult for them to understand that like oh no i have to do this thing i have to do this thing are you gonna bring back money no i won't bring back any money doing this but i have to do i'm compelled to make this art that doesn't mean i love you less than it but i have to do and and maybe it's a a vanity thing who like or um i don't know I don't what's know. you so you do you think artists by and large tend not to prioritize a relationship over a artistic career it, well, not that they don't do that. They just have to find a, a partner who understands that it's going to seem that way sometimes. Because right. like you're talking about this difficult schedule. That's that's what brought me to this. Like, so if you're if you're an actor, like unless you're doing like a sitcom and you're on set every week in the same city for ten years, sure, you're going to go a location on location a lot. Um, and so you might be gone for three months at a time. 
Um, even like commercial actors sometimes have to go th- throughout the year to various locations and that can put a strain on any relationship or if you're raising kids, you know, and you don't have enough money for a nanny or whatever. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, it can, but then again, if you're living that lifestyle, odds are you do make good money at it, which can sometimes supplement the issues with uh, distance. Well, but wouldn't you say that you as as someone who's who's trying to create art in addition to a full time job wouldn't I mean, don't you struggle even more so to kind of prioritize, um, you know, relationships because of that? Because not only are you doing that, that nine to five day job, but then all free time, which could be devoted towards kind of building and strengthening a relationship is then put towards your art. That's kind of why the, why the podcast thing, it's why I've been doing a lot less theater. Um, not like, not that, Oh God, we're going to break up if I do. Sh-. It's not like that. Right. Um, but I, I have chosen to f- like, this is why the podcast is great. Why voiceover is great. It's more flexible. I'm not living by somebody else's schedule. Yeah. Like thankfully you can, all of my guests have lived by my, like, they come to my house usually, mm-hmm. and I give them beer and they record. You know, like, it's... Uh, <laughs> it's a good deal. Yeah, no, like, and I don't have to leave, you know. Um, but, like, and that's what's so taxing about having, especially a, a theatrical rehearsal schedule and then a show schedule. Like, that's four to five weekends right in a row where you all, the, like, the, the downtime of your week is gone. Yeah. Um, which is important you know yeah, we definitely. need we need to relax e- yeah even yeah even beyond relationships i mean just just for, for personal health exactly. and mental stability yep um which yeah. i also find very difficult about the nine to five is uh i don't feel obliged to take much time off because i'm not used to that i'm not used to like saying hey i need a personal day no i i just i was listening to a story the other day about how americans at in general are really terrible about taking time away from careers so it's probably because we identify with our careers so much. It's well, like- it, I think it was, it, and that, that, that was, that's probably like the larger cause of a lot of these symptoms was these people kind of, they were interviewing these people saying like, you know, uh, you know, I know I'm going to have twice as much work when I come back or I don't yep. feel like anybody can do this job yep. while I'm out because they vested so much of themselves into this position that they couldn't possibly see anybody else doing it, which thousands of people could do that job oh no like i feel that way and most of my job is making coffee and pushing chairs around (laughs) and i know people can do that um but man oh man when i get back after a couple days off i'm like everything's out of place yeah (laughs) you know um yeah i write you know i'll write a sub plan and then inevitably teaching in the cps system I uh, CPS for those of you who aren't local is the Chicago public school system. Um, <laughs> you leave a sub plan and inevitably you come back and zero percent of that sub plan has been taught to your students. So then you've just you've lost the day. Basically, what did Mister Bergstrom teach you anyway? Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. what was the line? How to be a human? Well, no, like how to love? What did Lisa say when Mister Bergstrom? He was the like the magical substitute teacher. That yeah, they yeah, had. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, what? Like they're like, he didn't even follow my lesson plan. What did he teach you anyway? And then she cries and runs off and says like, how to love or something like that. <laughs> I don't recall that one. Someone's from someone who knows Simpsons better than me will know that, and they'll be very upset that I didn't get that quote right. <laughs> and uh, they won't write. They'll, they'll well, feel free to. Hey guys, if you hated it, check go to my website and, <laughs> and write me an email about how much you didn't like that I got that quote <laughs> wrong. Um, but anyway, so. I, I do want 
to get to your like your story like so you so you you now feel like you can identify as an artist but how did that take a, take us through your life as an artist a little bit tank or, or or like maybe in since you got since like you tried it after college yeah well and, and it was i i you know every everybody who does music for the most part has been in you know three or four different bands kind of coming up at least three or four if not dozens i'm um, not a musician i've been in two bands there you go <laughs> There you, what did you play in your bands? Keyboard in both of them. All right, well, and I sang in. One so of obviously them. you're some something of a musician. If you well, play yeah, keyboard. but like I'm not. I've gotten paid to play a couple times, but I would not like say like, oh yeah, you, you technically, technically, <laughs> is that the Hollywood exec coming in there? Wait, technically, yeah, you're I'm a musician. musician. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I uh, I played in high school in uh, a couple bands that were just like jam bands. We played like. People would graduate from high school, and we'd just play their grade. We played the graduation circuit on the in the south south side suburbs. Um, it's a good gig, yeah. Uh, and then off it, Pulaski there, off, right off Pulaski, right off Pulaski. Nine, it's a good ninety fit in Pulaski. Wow, that's that's pretty far south. <laughs> and um, yeah, and then and college was kind of a, a great experience because it was. Um, I think that's my water. I'll drink mine then. <laughs> I think college was like kind of the crossroads of like uh, way too much freedom and way too little responsibility. And so I hear you, man. it was just like an opportunity to to try stuff and do stupid things. And I I uh, kind of found uh, I found a nice community of artists who were very good at like supporting each other and encouraging each other. And uh, I think pushing each other to do things that they probably wouldn't have done without that support. Um, and I mean, you've interviewed, uh, Brian Rohde a few times yes. here and, uh, he was, he was kind of one of those guys for me who was just like, Hey, I, you know, I, I need some stuff and, uh, you know, y- you play music. Could you write this? And I like, that's I a, had written, that's a really good Brian Rohde. Yeah. <laughs> that's a really good Brian Rohde. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, I'd written songs for like girls that I had been dating, but, um, never, yeah, yeah, yeah ne- but never, never anything. <laughs> Actually, you little. You got nice boobs. <laughs> that was it. How did you know? I didn't think that made it off of Milliken's campus, but that was that was the first one. You got nice boobs. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, you know, it was just people asking me to write things, and I kind of realized, like, oh, like, hey, I can I can do this. I can turn things around pretty quickly, and um, I kind of found a couple other music yeah, projects. I have uh, been in a musical where you wrote. The music for the musical, right, and uh, directed by Brian, Brian Rowdy. Rowdy. Yeah, uh, and that was uh, again one of those instances where he's like, "Could you could you do this?" And I was like, oh, "I don't know." And he's like, "Oh, you can do it. Just do it." <laughs> and I was like, "All right." Um, and then, folks, he did it. <laughs> I did it. It happened. Um, and then, uh, so kind of that led to where I, I, I took a job right out of college. Uh, you know, I graduated in two thousand eight, right at the right when the economy hit the toilet. So I was like just taking jobs left and right. I was substitute teaching. I was a bouncer at a comedy club. And then I was a tanks. A, tanks got some broad shoulders. folks. <laughs> they call them tank for a reason. They just put me in front of the door. And, uh, and then I was also on Sundays, I was working as a, a music director at a church and, um, okay. That was, there was another opportunity. Like that's where I learned how to, I taught myself how to play guitar and bass. Cause I had been, traditionally a piano player okay and a keyboard player 
before that and uh, started playing ukulele when I was 16. Um, and then, yeah, taught myself bass and guitar and... Um, so you're self-taught. I, I don't think I knew that. That's, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's I very took, impressive. Like you, he plays the upright bass. I do. I play the double bass now, which was kind of an accident too. So th- <laughs> that kind of all led me to where I uh, I was, you know, doing all these odd jobs, and then finally uh, was able to find a full time job working at a nonprofit. And long story short, I worked my way up to being like a, a marketing director there, and realized like, oh, this is not what I want to do. Um, but in my time there, I actually met my wife, who was working as a music therapist. Um, and I tell her this all the time, and she, she probably hates it, but I tell her that I, I sought her out as a bandmate before I sought her out as Aww. like a partner. Um, but because she's just, she's a fantastic, I mean, you've heard her sing. Yeah, she's, she's a fantastic she's vocalist. She's a great voice. Um, and, and she, 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 she plays, plays her own guitar. She <laughs> plays her own guitar. Not anybody else's. It's hers. Um, and that kind of, uh, we, when we started playing, it was just the two of us. I would play um, like jazz standards on the piano. We do we did like old, uh, American songbook stuff for uh, about a year with her singing, and I would I would just play like old forties jazz tunes, and we did like like little cocktail restaurants and stuff like that. Um, how'd you How would you book these kind of gigs? Or th- this should be like one of those. Hey, uh, you guys don't have. We brought our own piano. We brought our own guitar. Do you guys mind if we just stand in that corner over there? It was yeah. It was a lot of pavement pounding. It was like it, it was like word of mouth. People were like, oh, there's this new place opening up, and I think music would be great there. Or they're looking for musicians, and it's just kind of going around and asking people what you know. So how's that network work? Like, is this um? You, that's you, a, just, you just meet the right people. Yeah, or? that's a terrible way to do it. To be honest, these days <laughs> pounding the pavement it's it's pretty ineffective. And uh, I I know they say. Um, like for every, it's something like for every ten uh, bids you put out there, you're only going to get one job sure. out of it. But um, we, yeah, I was just pounding pavement, and uh, nowadays, I mean, if you guys are looking to do this small time, like <laughs> like I do, just uh, uh, just social media and email, and don't don't go in anywhere unless you absolutely need to. And if anybody asks you to come out and play and poke play an open mic night before you come out and play tell them to, well, so to you guys it. have to have like some recordings and some video like you guys have and that's exactly my point yeah we everybody i mean you need an electronic press kit if you're gonna yeah. get any jobs that pay decently and, and any well anything anybody's gonna have a have a booking like it's gonna be you know this bar at you know booking at this or right. whatever and right. you submit your stuff to them and they're gonna like say yes or no it, basically yeah that's that's what I like because I used to work at a, a bar and a, a bar and music venue, and it had a grill also. So it was a bar grill with a music venue, and like I was really I knew the guys who did the booking for that. Like they and there was they just get emails and like oh look at these guys want to come over and sometimes yeah. they would go out of their way to pursue acts they knew were going to be coming through town. But most of the time, people just you got a stage, they'll just come to you because they want to be seen. Yeah, and and that's yeah yeah starting out you well we were doing all, so. We changed the format after a few years, and and I uh, started playing double bass, and we kind of switched to this like roots Americana format. And some people call it country. I, it's not country, but if that's what you want to call it, you can. It, it, I would. I, it reminds me more of folk music. It's folky. Yeah, it's 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 got a twang to it. That's um, how. I, if someone asks, I'd be like, Oh yeah, they play like folk music. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm comfortable with that. That's folk, folk roots. <laughs> what would you would you rather be playing something else? Tank? No, no. I that, that's it's accurate. It's accurate. But um, 
but and I feel like once we made that switch to that format and we kind of found it like, oh, wow, this works. It suits our voices well. And and we like a lot of the music that we're playing. And, and it seems to resonate with people, even though when you tell someone that you play pre 1950s American music, they're like, oh, I don't know any of that. And I was like, you're going to know at least half of it. Have you seen the Oh Brother Where Art Thou? Yeah, well, oh, my God. God, you, man, you're you're reading my mind here. That's on my list, too. It's like everybody requests the same song. Everyone's. He wants to, Constant sorrow. They all want to hear Man of Constant Sorrow, which that's not even the name of that song. It's called the Farewell Song. So if you want to request that song ever, please request Man, the Farewell that's Song. That's as obnoxious as people not knowing that it's called Bubba O'Reilly and not that Who song about something in the fields. <laughs> I think it's Baba O'Reilly. Oh, what is it? I don't <laughs> Is it really Baba O'Reilly? I don't yeah, I, I can't I know. Believe it. <laughs> I wish it was Bubba O'Reilly though. <laughs> well, what, what's a Bubba? What's a, what's, what's a Bubba O'Reilly? <laughs> but Bubba's a name at least. That's that's that Irish guy, Bubba O'Reilly. <laughs> Baba O'Reilly is uh, I don't I don't know what that is. That's gibberish to me. Yeah. <laughs> is, and how's it spelled? Is it bo- is it how's well, it spelled? Well, I either in in any event, not, neither. Neither one shows up as a lyric in the song, so no, it doesn't. Which is why people don't know. But also, I really did think it was Bubba O'Reilly. I hope I haven't told that to a lot of people. I'm looking it up right now. <laughs> I'm Do you up- ever get that overwhelming sense of dread? Like, have I been saying this wrong for years? For no all intents and requ- purposes, requ- it is. It, so it's Baba, Baba, B A B A, and like, but O'Reilly, like, like the auto yeah, parts, O apostrophe R, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we'll look that up later. The uh, the audacity of the who. What is a Baba? This is like Alibaba. Then I, that I that whatever whatever <laughs> for another night. Yeah. Um. But anyway, continue about your yeah, about so that kind of brings us up to up to date now. So we we play out every weekend as a band. Like I'm lucky enough to you know we're talking about finding the balance and and being able to kind of work on find time to work on your relationships and i'm lucky enough that my wife is in the band with me yes you sh- you share you share the art yeah and i've had people more than one like fellow musician like point that out to me like wow that's a really like lucky thing i have a buddy who's an irish musician who plays around chicago is Mac- his name max baba dunn? o'reilly no his name is baba, <laughs> baba o'reilly. his name is max dunn but he likes to go by bubba o'reilly <laughs> I am Bubba O'Reilly. I'm a I'm a I'm a convict who plays folk music. <laughs> Sorry, the only people named Bubba are. That's the joke, right? That they're all convicts. <laughs> that's news to me. Is it? I don't know anybody. Well, I guess a new. Well, his nickname was Bubba in in, in elementary elementary school. No, no, sorry. I, I apologize to anybody named Bubba listening to this show. Uh, it's just a joke that I've heard, and I shouldn't perpetuate these things. This how this how stereotypes become things. Exactly. And, and we can't escape them because I keep telling people that people named Bubba are convicts. Do you, do you run into a lot of folks named Bubba? No, but I run into like, a lot of people. and I, that's Stay the away from my answer. wallet, buddy. <laughs> hey, yo. <laughs> um, anyway, so you met this Irish musician, Max, so, yeah, Max? Max Dunn. So he plays, if you're ever in the mood for some Irish tunes, he's a, a Julian Piper. Um, and he plays around. The Chicago area a lot. Well, I will forgive that this plug happened way after the plugs at the beginning. <laughs> I'm but, sorry. Uh, check that guy. Uh, out. But he said to it, he 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 told me a, a while back. He's like, ah, oh, it's a great. He's like, he, he basically told me that you're lucky that you're able to share this with your partner because that's something that we can do together. And those those long gigs when when we're driving up to 
where were we this we're driving out to libertyville this last weekend which is like an hour and a half from where we're at and um and it was just like nice to have that experience with her and it's an adventure and all that good stuff if we ever wanted to travel with the music it would be something that we could do together yeah and kind of make work on our relationship at the same time that we were sharing music together and you you don't find that uh i imagine it it's fairly <clears throat> harmonious <laughs> <laughs> all right i'll let myself out. absolutely absolutely um because yeah it's, it's like because it's not I actually think that was in my wedding vows, to be honest. That that pun there, okay. the, the harmony. Okay. <laughs> uh, wait, did you guys also bust out into uh, renditions of "One Day More" from Les Misérables? No, why? What? That's a thing. Apparently, like a lot of like they'll do those. Uh, <laughs> At weddings? Look, yeah, yeah. They'll be they're like, "What were you, t- honey?" Like father reading to his daughter. What were you telling me that uh, that w- weddings? W- you wish you wish this day could last one day more. Then off in the distance, someone just starts like. Blah, 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 is blah. that really the only connection is is what you wish this wedding could last one day more and then more or less that's usually like so it's someone is giving a speech and it usually ends <laughs> with something like man i wish this could last one and then, of course there's always a a period between each word one day more <laughs> it's 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 only obnoxious we watched like 15 of them in one night um more because we, we were astounded that this was such a prevalent thing at so many weddings because it doesn't make any sense what does one day more have to do with anything that has it's, it's a very inappropriate wedding no. song you know especially when they get to that uh something about the schoolboys we will and make them wet with blood or something like yeah, that I, i'm trying to, to run through some we of the will nip somewhere. it in the bud yeah something something all those schoolboys something something with blood yeah, like you know but but you know um yeah, it's um, it's the isn't it like the pump up song before the revolution? I think so. That's, which does not indicate unity uh, and marital the, bliss to it's me the at end, all. It's right before intermission. I yeah, believe. It is. Yeah. I, be- I believe it is, and they're like all marching, and you know, the flags are waving and stuff like that. Um, yeah, not a not a song that reminds me of how of how pleasant you know the married right. life is. Do you hear the people sing, singing the songs of angry men? Yeah. I mean, I know that's a different song, but, but it's from the same Jean yeah. Valjean. <laughs> um, my neighbor's going to be upset <laughs> or not. Maybe they, maybe they got married <laughs> and they had one day. More. Anytime someone asks me my zip code, I always like to say six, oh, five, one, three, <laughs> which is also from life. He, that's how he identifies him. himself. Speaking of d- identifying yourself, Jean Valjean is forced to identify himself as a number. Cause he's a prisoner. Uh, what? Well, well, escaped prisoner. Uh, as are we. I mean, right. In a different context. Are we all just escaped prisoners? <laughs> what, are, are, what are we running from? Icarus with our wings. <laughs> right? I'm trying to... I'm mixing a lot of metaphors here. Um, all right. I think this is a good time. We'll get, we'll get back... We'll get into some questions. Maybe do some follow-ups. Well, sure. we'll definitely get into some questions. After we take a brief break to refresh our beers, I'm going to wipe the sweat off my face, and uh, we'll see you all in a couple seconds. And actually, hold on. I'll, I'll edit this all in. Actually, I do these more than, than anything. Oh, I'm being recorded. Uh, got safe. Welcome back, everybody. Tank, are you feeling refreshed? I'm feeling great. Good. I am too. Beer helps. Um, 
I also I, so we, during the break there, we went and sat near an air conditioner. Um, I want to stress that uh, the starving artist thing is a bit bit of a misnomer. We both have full time jobs. We both make decent money, um, but yet I still feel like I, uh, I, yeah, the art is more my identity, the thing I would rather be doing. Sure. And so I think this kind of leads into some of my questions here. Like, uh, do you do you feel like you live? Well, do you feel like you live as an artist, or do you feel like you live as an educator? Like a t- like, is your job your life, or is your art your life, or can we have both? I yeah, I I think it's a combination of the two. I well, I would hesitate to say that education is my life. <laughs> I mean, sure, it takes up a, a lot of my time during the school year, but I yeah, I, I don't know that it's my life. I what I, I like is kind of having separate identities. There's something kind of cool about teaching a class of 30 students and working with other faculty and administrators uh, Monday through Friday. And then on Saturday, like living like a double life being, it's kind of like being a superhero. Like you go out and nobody knows what you're doing. And, and then you come back and you're just like a normal teacher on Monday. But it was like, no, I was playing a festival out on Saturday. And what's going to happen when you're, when one of your students is like, Comes to comes to the old folksy hole. I don't think yeah, I don't bar. think I have to worry about that. <laughs> like when my students ask me what kind of music I play, they're like, "Oh, all right." Um, and then there's no have, for, there's no further fun questions with that. that. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I I would never hesitate. I'm I'm not embarrassed by either aspect of of my life. I uh, you know I I would. My students knew I was a musician, but I, I and you do play the whitest music. Oh yeah, well, no, no, that, you don't. That's you the don't. thing. It's associated now. I would, heavily you know, with, yes, we yes. would have like uh, there'd be like study sessions where it was like it was kind of very like an unstructured time in the classroom. It was like okay, everybody's working independently, and oftentimes I'll just give the students control of like what music we're listening to. But every once in a while, I would kind of start off with something I'm familiar with and, you play and some Django or that something was, like that. And <laughs> it wasn't quite Django. Well, you know what? I actually did do a Django Reinhardt a few times, but, but I would, you know, I would start with something and they'd be like, Oh, what is this is, you know, uh, you know, all my students were black and I was one of the few white guys. And I think the assumption was like, Oh, this is white music. And I was like, no, this is, this is the blackest music <laughs> Ever. This is like the beginning of of Black Blues. American music. Yeah. yeah, they. If it weren't for Black people, we wouldn't have any of this music. <laughs> this was like. <laughs> this is really important that Wait, you guys know this, guys. You need to realize I stole this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, and I think it's important to acknowledge that too. To my, you know, like I, I'm not really answering your question, but it it's important to acknowledge. Like one of the the reasons I feel like I play the music that I do is because I want to keep it alive and around and i think it's worth it's relevant and it's worth um kind of keeping in the ears of, of modern day audiences but i think another reason is to kind of acknowledge that like all the music that we have today kind of originated from this uh, and was in a lot of respects appropriated from what early uh black american musicians kind of brought to the genre well, yeah i mean uh uh, we don't need to get into this too much, but like you know, you know, rock and roll, jazz, like all, you know, I, I'm I'm hard pressed to think of a genre that we 
love now that's like chopping the charts that isn't that doesn't uh have have some roots right in in old r&b yeah well and that's it's funny because you know i've been playing this music for a while now yeah i was in my 20s when i started and people would be like oh like what you know oh how's a guy in his 20s from chicago start playing this kind of music and it was like well i I don't know i grew up listening to the beatles and the beatles were copying elvis and elvis was copying chuck berry and chuck berry was copying all the black guys that were playing music for him it's like it's just the natural progression of it everything we know that is popular music this is where it came from and also uh it's it's like the 21st century play whatever you want yeah (laughs) it's good music it's worth if you don't like it you know, leave. don't subscribe. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I, I probably should say you don't like it. You can leave. That narrative is kind of a, we can't really say that anymore. You can, you just might make, you might not make many friends. <laughs> it's, that's what I said. I've said this on the podcast before. Like you can say whatever the hell you want. Just don't expect people to like you no, anymore. <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah. I, I don't feel that way about most situations, but I do feel that way about live music venues. If you don't like what the venue's playing. Yeah. If you paid your two bit, if you paid your two bits and you didn't know what you were getting into, uh, then now you know what that music is, and you can avoid it in the future. And you paid a small amount of money to learn. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, don't do you get heckled a lot? You don't get heckled, do no, you? Do you I get stairwayed a lot, Tank? Do you get stairwayed? Uh, a freebird quite a bit. Oh, that's right. That's what people do more. Freebird. Really? Still, is it really still a thing? Yeah, definitely. The joke has not gone away yet. No, and like. Part of me was tempted. I talked to the band and we were talking about putting together like a bluegrassy version of of that. And I was like, I don't even want to acknowledge that (laughs) request because that guy's not even listening. That guy's just yelling things out because he wants to be obnoxious. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't know that we get heckled, but it's more, again, people making weird requests that kind of don't fit the the genre or the medium or the forum in which we're playing. So you're not Spotify. No, and that's and then that's exactly the thing. Is like, I'm trying to do something here. <laughs> Just listen for a yeah, second. Yeah. Um. Yeah. How do you know what I would like? And I, I think that's the. They don't know a lot of it, right? Unless you're playing to a crowd of you know bluegrass folk fans, uh, you may have hard time like filling a request that isn't something from Oh Brother Where Art. Well, right. I mean, I I think again, I think people are always a little surprised at, at how much of that music that they actually know. Um and I sometimes I try to I like to kind of introduce a song by pointing out the familiar context. Um Louis Jordan has a song called Is You Is or Is You Ain't My Baby that we play. Mm-hmm. And I it's a really great It's like uh, Is You oh, Is or Is You Ain't My Baby. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. And um uh I, you know, I've always known it as a Louis Jordan tune, but like I do remember being introduced to it as a little kid watching Tom and Jerry. It's it's an episode. Oh yeah, of yeah. Tom's playing the the stand up yeah. bass and yeah, and I and he's now. singing it to the female cat in the window. And I'll introduce it like that sometimes, just to be like, you know, this song. You've heard this before. If you've seen Tom and Jerry, you know this song. That's a good way of uh, contextualizing the music, helping mm-hmm. people identify. It brings into their lives. That's the teacher part of yeah. me. I'm trying to. You were born for this. Maybe you should get out of the music thing and just teach people about music that you like. I mean, if I if that were a thing, <laughs> make it a thing. Don't wait for it to happen. Make it. Happen. Uh, so we'll see how we'll see how relevant these questions are. I wrote these not knowing exactly how the conversation would go. Is the art the important thing, or is it being an artist regardless of success? 
Does that question make sense? So it, it does is, make is sense. Make, yeah, okay. I, I don't think being I, – I, I would wait. I, I, why don't you – can you answer that question? How do you feel about that? Uh, so I think I, – I mean, I probably wrote these with myself in mind a bit. <laughs> uh, yeah. I would rather be doing or striving towards always <laughs> – that's a that's a good sounding sentence. Uh, <laughs> Be doing or striving, or maybe sometimes, possibly, kind of. Exactly. Period. Um, making making art or or attempting to telling people like, oh, I'm I'm writing a thing. I am trying to make this thing happen. Uh, opposed to because I guess it'd be I could never. I don't think I could ever be a, a version of myself that I like where I wasn't trying to make art or have a, a version of art be a part of my life. But sometimes it's really put on the back burner for like like the last like two years have been I've been working this job I don't like a lot. I haven't done much theater. It really feels like art's gone on the back burner so I could pay off my student loans, which I have done. I've paid off my student loans, which is one of the reasons I've been doing this this job for so long. Uh, but then then I thought like. Well, yeah, I miss theater, but you also think about where that get like where was that going? Was that? But does that matter? I don't. Right? You know, is it is it about the enjoyment of making art or about um, knowing like again like filling the cost? Like, are you making money doing the art? But then, like, are you okay? So here's the question. So you got this job that sucks. Um, or not, or a job that doesn't suck, but you love to make art. You make art, um, but maybe you're exhausted. Like you, you go into your rehearsals and you feel like you can't commit to the art as much as you want to. Sure. Uh, is it worth doing that art if you don't feel like you can give it the time that you feel you deserve? Because that art is going to give you a fifty dollars stipend after you've put in three months of work. Well, and I think if you look at it in that context, absolutely not. I mean, if you're if you're saying, well, what am I getting out of this? Oh, fifty bucks. Well. Then well, is it worth that? Well, it's, not even, it's not even about the financial thing, but like, am I am I giving this thing as much time as I want to? Like, can I or do we summon that? Like, is that because we love it so much? Does it always well come? I I think it's it's part what what you're able to give to the art, but I think it's also what you're able to get from the art non non monetarily. Yes, yes, sure. The, um, the experience, the fulfillment, the, right. the soul is, refresh. I, yeah, is it feeding your soul in some way? Then yeah, then it, absolutely it's worth doing. Even if you're dog tired and you're like, I could have done that better or this could be tighter or um, you know, I would love I, I think we're everybody feels that way. I would love to invest more time in this aspect of my life. Sure. But it's the reality of of being an adult and having responsibilities is that you're, you're inevitably there's an opportunity cost somewhere and inevitably something's going to come up short. But then I guess also that if you're only getting, getting paid 50 bucks to do a show, uh, no one's going to care too much if you half ass it. Now <laughs> is the payment aspect in how important is that to you? I mean, it wasn't when I, it wasn't, it never has been. And, I get, I'm I'm playing a bit of a devil's advocate because I've I've done I've done shows for free. I've done so many shows for free. Yeah. I've done I've done some for some money. I've done some for a little more money, but I've never like never enough to to live off of. Um, and no, it's not like I'm. It's it's a, it always is a silly argument. Like I, if I looked if I wanted to make money, I got into the wrong field, right? Like that's yeah. always the thing you tell yourself when you when you go get a, an arts degree is like. Well, I guess I'm not making money, which is 
And there's some some douchey philanthropy entrepreneurs who will say like that's the wrong way to look at it. If you're an artist, you can make money. I'm a Tony Robbins type guy, and I'm going to tell you how you can make money as an artist. Um, and yeah, if you work really, I think. But the thing is, like, if you work really hard at anything, if you're really good at marketing, then you can make money doing anything. Sure. Um, I think there's a there's a, a, an issue with a lot of artists I've met is that they like making art, they don't like selling art, they don't like selling themselves as artists, which is okay. Which is like, if as long as you're not relying on that as exactly. a source of income, then that's great. But I, we want, but we wish it was. We wish we could. I think the longer you do something and the more comfortable you get with what you're doing or, or, or what you're producing, I guess, um, the easier it is that selling aspect becomes. I It was probably like five or so years ago, um, you know, we talked about it as a as a band and, and decided not that we were playing tons of free, gig, but free gigs, but, but every it, once in a while. This is before... Before you and Beth, no, this is like this is like kind of right at the beginning. We've okay, probably okay. been doing our thing for about a year, um, and we made a, a oh, like a hard and fast decision. It's like almost like a New Year's resolution uh, where we said, "All right, we're, we we're not going to play for free anymore because it's it's not." We we had realized at that point it was okay. We've we've packaged a product that people are willing to pay for. Yes. So there's no point in giving it away unless we're doing it. The, the few like exceptions have been, have been like for that. charitable events. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah which, which is we both got our start in nonprofit, and that's kind of still where our heart is. And yeah, um, also, like it's even if it's a nice thing to do. Yeah, play yeah, for charity. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, uh, Assuming the charity is up to noble virtues, you know, like they're yeah, you know, like, yeah. But um, not that I vet everybody that. But you know we've we do you know probably every year we've got one one that we do that's pro bono I guess we'll call it because people say that pro yeah, bono pro bono right it's which I think is another way of legitimizing it is is don't say you're playing gigs for free it's pro bono or it's a donation it's it's yeah. not a free job um, but I I think part of acknowledging that you are an artist is 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 valuing valuing what you produce at, at, at an appropriate level yes and i i agree like so so i'm primarily as far as like monetarily um and i hate that this keeps coming up but like this is I th- a big part of the conversation when it comes to being an artist is 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 money you know like um i don't do voiceover for free unless i'm like here's a little sample like like an audit like an audition, yeah. <laughs> if you will. Um, but otherwise, if if people want my stuff, I make them pay for it. You quote them, yeah. 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 I I've I've learned a thing or two about invoices because I've had to write up some invoices sure. for, for some voiceover stuff. Um, because yeah, like if I'm if I'm not going to get booked much when I do get booked, I might as well get paid for it. Right, and that, that's uh, you know, and uh, we're kind of at this crossroads too right now as a as a band where it's like. What's better, uh, quantity or quality? Like, do should we start playing less performances and only take the ones that pay well, or are we cool playing playing out twenty five two bucks. three times a weekend for a couple hundred bucks at a, a pop? Like, that's not bad though. No, it's it's and that's the thing. It's it, it's hard to scoff at that, but like, you know, there are instances where, where I've got four four or five people that I've got to pay out, so. You know, if you pay me two fifty, it oh. really doesn't go long. Then, you, then you're getting you're getting like thirty seven bucks, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I could see that being a 
you know, well, you, you know, yeah, then then it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you paid for dinner and they paid for dinner and drinks that Which, night. and if we're okay with that, that's fine. Like, we, you know, we play a lot of breweries and stuff like that. And the breweries, I would say all but probably one or two, compost the beers, which I think you're, this is what you do. You're a brewery. Just give us some beer. It's near that. That's pretty standard. You get a couple right. of drink tickets. Yeah. Most band members get like, you get, here's your two drink tickets. Yeah, you need to get something out of it. And, but like, if you're comfortable, well, they're with they're, that. they're charging like, I've if if they're char- if they charge cover, I've never paid less than five dollars cover. Right, and so like they're getting they're getting something, and, and after the sound guys paid off, then everything's just over. Then everything just goes to the the venue. Aside from what they pay, decide they think the value of the band right. is. Which I go back and forth on on covered gigs. I I we've done them. And I'm not a, a huge fan. It makes me sound like a cheapskate or like I'm not willing to bring people in because I totally am. I'll promote a show if I can. But, you know, we'll travel to, to music cities that are a little bit more music friendly than Chicago. New Orleans never charges covers. Nashville almost never charges covers. Yeah, because if you don't, there's 37 bars right. right around the corner that don't charge cover. Exactly. And so I'm kind of of the opinion that, like, the music is uh, music and and venue is there's a symbiotic relationship here it's like and and it always bugs me when the first it's a it's a uh, it's an acceptable question but it bugs me when it's the first question out of the venue's mouth when they say what's your draw well i man it depends and it depends on where you're at like and also are you going to help with marketing exactly like, do, you, do you put posters what, up for the show I, that would be like yeah if if I if I were to talk to a venue and say, oh well, what's your built-in crowd like? And they say, well, <laughs> you know, we pull in twenty people on a Tuesday night. We're like, ah, oh, that's not enough. We need at least fifty. Screw you. We're not playing this gig. Yeah. No, that's like you got to bring people in. I'll bring as many as I can. But my job mostly is to play music. Is to yeah, is to make sure that the people you do have there are enjoying themselves. That maybe they stay an extra thirty minutes or an extra hour and buy and two or three more drinks. Yeah, buy a dessert. Yeah. yeah, something like that. So. There's a, it's a relationship, and I, I, it, it bugs me when venues kind of put all the onus on the performer. Well, yeah, because like, so I, I didn't. We got some time. We got some time. I didn't want to bring this up, but um, it reminds me of. So I did some research on on the uh, uh, that freelance thing called Fiverr. Are you familiar with? I'm familiar with Fiverr. Yeah. yeah. So not that they don't have musicians on that, but um, voiceovers actors are on Fiverr. Right. And this this whole discussion reminds me of the way that uh, the people who make the most money can can milk the talent to do all of the work because of how competitive now the talent has become for exposure for yeah. just or just to play like to get to get a few bucks like they they dangle a couple dollars above our heads and like you know we all clamor for it and whoever clamors the hardest you know pushes everybody else down gets the two dollars um and it sucks it's like because i would like to be doing moy moy voiceover <laughs> clearly i'm good at this <laughs> Um, if that's the kind of work you're producing, then sign me up. It's hilarious stuff. Uh, hey, I have a, a Nadex commercial out there somewhere, guys. Let's look up, look up Nadex. I'm, I'm <laughs> um, no, like, and it's it just pits 
artists against other artists when we should all be, you know, complaining about the owners who are not willing to, you know, this, uh, to realize that that it's it should be about quality, not about uh, just getting music at a cheap price. Right. Um, yeah, but also what, what is what I guess is advantageous for them is that they can still get pretty good quality for little money because of how good we've all gotten at making right. art. Yeah, which is why, why it, and it kind of comes back to that point. It's like you have to value what you do to a certain level. Like, I, I don't know. I, I if if you if your minimum is going to be a hundred bucks, two hundred bucks per, for a voiceover gig or something like that, you need to be producing work that's that's of that caliber. There are going to be guys that are going to be selling their service at fifty bucks, but they're going to be producing. You know, a lower quality, of and that's work. that's what I hope. Like the thing is, I'm not listening to. It's it's difficult to listen to other people's auditions. Yeah. Uh, when we're sending them to some person in uh, Germany or whatever, you know. Like, um. But no, exactly, and that's that's what I hope. Like the thing is, I would, I think, I would put in, and and that's the, the kind of thing about with when it comes to art is that it will always have the unique quality of the artist. I have deemed, and I and I, you and 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 Beth have uh, that it's not just that people can play folk. I can. Re- I'm going to read the same the same copy as mm-hmm. somebody else, but my voice, your voice, the way you play it, the you know the bass and the way she sings, plays sure. like that is unique. That is worth more because you're not going to get the same. And this is what I don't think producers or booking agents they don't. Well, maybe some of them do, but I, I don't think when when they're listening to 150 auditions for New Van's Health, which I just did, you know, like they're 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 gonna want to hear exactly what they want to hear, and all I can offer because we're all gonna read it roughly the same. It's it's a medical yeah. company. They're not writing funny copy. They're not writing. You can make it sound good, but it's still gonna be like I like his voice. Yeah, I like his voice. I like the thing about them. That makes them distinct, and I want to want to pay more money for them, you know. And it's about allowing, knowing how to, I guess, showcase your own, you know, individuality, your yeah. uniqueness, but, play to your strengths. Yeah, but like that's that shit. That shit's hard. It and, is. Well, it, it, it's something that's always bugged me about. And I've never been. Uh, I've never have called myself an actor. I have acted. You have. I've watched you. You. You were there. <laughs> you saw it. Um, but. Uh, it always that was one of the things that always bugged me about auditions was how much of it depends on a look or a sound that they're going for. It yeah. doesn't matter how good of an actor or a singer you are. If you fit what they're looking for, you've already fil- fulfilled 75 percent of the criteria. Yeah. Like, can you execute this? Well, then you're in basically. And yes, I've uh, I mean, that was the, that was the discussion that went around a lot when I was, you know, in the thick of the theater scene. Uh, like, oh, can you believe that person got got is with this agency? Yeah. They're terrible, but they're this height. They have this color eye, that color hair. They or they have this kind of physique. Like, they fit a bit. Like, we look. No. We're looking. They have a piece of it. We need this type of person. Right. Oh, there he or she is casted, and, and that exists across every platform. I'm sure. I mean, and not even just art. I mean, like I know it exists in music that someone has a look or a sound that they're going that that someone's looking for, or that fits kind of what's popular right now. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're the best, or they're even well. 
most music that's popular now, like how many how many of those folks are actually writing their own music? They're not. Like you're buying Bob. The thing that I've always said this that bothers me is Bob Dylan. If Bob Dylan came out in 2019, he would have bombed miserably because he doesn't have the look or the sound that people are looking for. But he was a fantastic songwriter and he played to his strengths. He did what he did, what he did very, very well. And it was timely of him. Like he came at the right time, right? Yes. Because that reminds me like when when I talked to, uh, again, we're going to mention Scott again. This is probably the third time we've mentioned Scott Myers. I got to meet this guy. He's a good guy. (laughs) Um, He did an episode on on Top 40 Music uh, some time ago. And um, we both kind of like, so a lot of Top 40 musicians don't write their own music. No. But But does that make them less of an artist? Do you want my honest answer? I because I don't I don't like if the thing is you have a person who writes really good music and you have a person who's got an amazing voice. Like, would you get mad at a choir? Like, you know, uh, the the Saint Olaf Choir. They don't write their own music, no, but they are artists, are they not? Yeah, I mean, and you're talking to a guy who plays songs that are 100 years old that I didn't write, you yeah. know, and then and so. you're an artist. Uh, I mean, no. It's, I, I understand what you mean. We we have this idea that to be a true artist, you are involved in every step of the process. No, you're right. And, but I, I, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, that person is an artist. But but what they bring to the table is is a voice talent or or a musical talent, yes. not necessarily a writing talent. Exactly. And that and 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 I think most of them don't present themselves as anything but like. I can't like I uh, Taylor Swift hasn't written her all of her own songs, but I don't think she goes around saying like I'm a prolific writer. Yeah. You know, she like I she is Taylor Swift, and we know who she is. Um, Katy Perry. All I, a lot of them don't write their own songs. Yeah. But I don't think that they pretend to. But we're done with that. We don't, I don't. <laughs> it, it gives a lot of hope to to ugly songwriters like me that one day. Hey, maybe I can make a living at this by writing songs for Some someone them, who's like, attractive and can execute it. That uh, I can't recall the hair, but listen to Top 40 Music with Scott Myers. I think it was our second episode. Uh, <laughs> he has a name. He dropped a name. I think it was actually Max something. Um, I think his last name started with an S. Uh, and he's made a ton of money, a very illustrious career, writing hit songs for other people. Yeah. And it, but of course, he is he himself is a very accomplished musician also. But like. You know, but not of the same notoriety. Yeah. No, because you know, I don't know his name. Yeah, <laughs> I know Katy Perry's name. Case in point. Yeah, and th- and then people are comfortable with that. You know, and that's fine. Um, see, if there's any of these other questions, uh, I don't think we can, I, we already talked about this. You came prepared, man. I just had a list of <laughs> of things that I. Well, what, hey, that, what do you? I got one last question. So has my gears. Has being an artist hindered the life you want to live? It doesn't sound like it. It sounds like it, no. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it shapes kind of the the way I'll, the rest of my life works. I I wouldn't I wouldn't take a a day job. So you know, I've recently transitioned my full time career into full time teaching, which I wasn't doing a year and a half ago. Um, I get a lot more fulfillment from that, and I feel a lot more at 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 home doing that than I have in previous careers. But I don't think I would ever take a uh, a day job that would not allow me to pursue music or any of my other interests because that's important. That balance is part of the appeal to right. That, if, that so job. yeah, if we can't, I think this is a big like this. This oh, this sounds so nice. If we can't do. If, the, if our main source of income isn't our passion, 
we by golly have to have a job that can allow us to do our passion outside of it. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, that's if, something if, about the balance. Had right? I thought about it, I would have. Bill Waterson, the guy who wrote uh, Calvin and Hobbes. Yep, I'm familiar. Um, has a very poignant statement about this. It was an address that he gave at a college graduation. Like, let's talk about the Jim Carrey thing. <laughs> you could fail doing something you hate. You might as well fail doing right. something you love. But, smoking. But Waterson's point was basically that. He's like, some people don't, you know, I we could be, I hate to keep picking on lawyers, but we could be high-powered lawyers and be making, you know, several hundred thousand dollars a year and 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 just kind of focus all our energy into that. That's not what's important to us. That's not what we want to do. He His point was basically some people scale that back specifically so they can pursue other things. And, so, and that sometimes those are artistic pursuits. Sometimes those are, like you said, relationships and you know, spending time with family and, and things, all of which are important to me as well. I need yeah. a, a job that, like you said, provides me the means by which I can like live a comfortable life, but also the freedom to explore things that I'm passionate about and things that are important to me. Exactly. All right. Now let's get in. So do you, do you have like a bullet point list? I do. Okay. We, so I'm going to, maybe I'll put in some music like, these are the things that grind tanks gears. Oh man, this is gonna make me sound like a big dick too. Should we go in? Go, I'm the, the right. gear grinder. And these are in no specific order. These were just the order in which I thought of them. So, um, <laughs> so number one is gonna make me sound like a big dick. Pop jam bands or mass cruise ship entertainment. That's what I, I like to call it. Cruise ship entertainment. Yeah. You ever been on a cruise ship? It's always like the band that they promote the most is inevitably like the most milk toast. <laughs> band it's just like top 40 stuff and it's like it's very it's executed well and it sounds good but it's like there's nothing very specific about it it's it's for mass consumption that's what it is it needs to appeal to the most amount of people um and i guess it bothers me that that appeals to a lot of people that yeah that it appeals to so many people like that and that so much so that every that anybody who makes a specific choice um often gets overlooked because someone's going to say, well, uh, that's I, 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 I'm not going to mention any names, but there is a, uh, a prominent venue in Chicago that hires um, it's a, it promotes itself as a, uh, a country bar, a country and Western bar. I don't know what, what it is. And it, Tank's done his research. I was, I was reaching out to them and, and about a gig and they had said, um, you know, we're, you know, we're a country bar. And I was like, you know, we play like classic country. We play like Hank Williams songs and things like that. But it's we play pre-1950. So it's not top 40, current top 40s hits. But it is, it's the roots of country music. This is yeah. what, what country music came from. And their response was, um, I think that would be really off-putting. Ooh. I was <laughs> like, well, <laughs> fuck you, dude. <laughs> off-putting. Yeah. Uh, we don't want people vomiting from the music just from right. the alcohol. Like, what's off-putting? It's it's not off-putting. Like, we we'll do it well. Well, that's that's a that's a strange qualify ad, adjective. Um, when it, like it, that's what caught me off guard. I, I I don't think that's what they intended to say, but they said it, and it was it just came off really blunt and obnoxious. Well, yeah, because like it, <laughs> you should say like I I know what you're like something along the lines of. Uh, I appreciate the type of music you're trying to you, that you do make, but we don't think it would gel yeah, well would, with you, our audience I, honestly, or demographic. And that's happened to me. I've had plenty of venues say, 
you know, I don't really think you're the right fit for us right now. Yeah. I'm totally comfortable with that. Good for you for knowing your venue and not time. putting me in a position where I'm going to fail or yeah, or wasting my time at something. Um, but, yeah, that's really off-putting. <laughs> Fuck you. It's not, dude. Lots of people would disagree with you. Yeah, yeah. Uh you can't, it's it's like just because you don't like it's, it's the 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 subjective of objective like art art is going to please some and not others and I think you need if you're in a position where you're hiring artists or performers or anything like that you need to come to terms with that that like not everybody's gonna like every every act that you bring in but I I feel like by diversifying your acts you're gonna bring in a, a wider breadth of people and get your get your venue more exposure why would you want to narrow that down and be like oh I only want the same 150 people coming to this venue yep. every week Doesn't make well any if, sense. I mean as as somebody who enjoys or at least I like the idea of broadening my horizons <laughs> uh, I like to pretend that I try to do that sometimes yeah like I watched um much to my chagrin, I watched uh, uh, the first Wives Club last night. <laughs> but it's not a bad movie. No. <laughs> it's, it's, it's got a, some good... It's Diane Keaton, right? Yeah, Diane Keaton, Goldie Hawn, Can and Bette Midler. And yeah. uh, the, I mean, man, the, 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 the cameos. <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> the, the cam- my God, the cameos. No, there's a ton of people like, oh, wow, this might be like your Timothy Oliphant, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker... <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, Marisha Gay Harden, like uh, a lot of people were in that. Just as like, sometimes they're in it for a little bit, and sometimes you know. Yeah. Um, anyway, but I watched that. Like, so my girlfriend's like, we should watch this, and, like, and I, she could tell by the look in my face, like, this is not what I how I want to spend my Sunday <laughs> evening. Um, but I but I said like, if I'm scared of it, which I was, I was scared of it. What were you scared of? Like, oh, it's gonna like, I'm is this is this going to f- is this going to uh, enrich my life? It, will this will this just be a? Is this just some more Hollywood tripe that's yeah, made this, will for this be ninety minutes that that I will never get back? Yeah, and I had some good laughs. You know, it's it's a cute movie. Yeah. Um, but if you fear something, sometimes you need to just right. like what if I'm if I don't want to watch this, I have never seen it. There's a reason I don't, and I probably need to confront this. Yeah. Well. If you're a person who only goes to venues that strictly play top 40 country music, then you're a pretty boring person. <laughs> like, Wait. like, you're not willing to listen to anything else yeah. with the slightest variation. My thing is, like, also, if you're go- like, I know that people, that's why chain restaurants do so well, is they love the regularity of yeah. it. Um, and so I get it, but also, I mean, you're going out. Like, expect to, to be challenged sometimes. Yeah. Um, and... That's healthy, and politically, artistically, <laughs> yeah. Um, ch- challenge yourself. Um, anyway, There's, that's what else grinds your gears? All right, it, this is kind of in a similar vein, but it's uh, in the, this. This is a bit. If you're listening outside of Chicago, this may not be a problem there, but around Chicago. The same, there's like five bands that get hired for every summer festival. Oh, yeah. It's the same five bands. And I'm like, again, won't name any names. And I've seen them. I've seen most of them multiple multiple times because they just keep popping up. And I, I, you know, outside of playing music, I I work events and I run events and, and I just... I happen to be in the same place as these. And they, they do a good, they put out a good product. It's fine. But it's like, I'm tired of it <laughs> i don't want to hear it anymore get change it up give somebody else a chance to get in there 
I agree. I don't, you know, like I can only listen to, to 80 tribute bands for so long. And like, and they're usually, uh, they have the, the, they're headlining or near headlining yeah. a lot of times. It's, uh, it gets, it makes, it makes the whole festival circuit seem like, well, what the fuck's the point? Like, exactly. This is going to be exactly like the other five festivals that I went to that these guys are playing. Yeah, it's, it's like you just go to the, I guess the one I'll go to every year is the one that's closest to my right. home. Because uh, if I, I, there's no point in like paying the same $10 the next weekend to go to Ribfest or whatever, unless they have somebody. And sometimes like some of these do get good gigs. Yeah. I mean, good, good, uh, good artists, but, but, but the, the people that I'm interested in seeing at most of these festivals are the people who play at like 10 AM yep. because they're not those five bands yep. that are playing they're local everywhere. bands who are doing something cool. Exactly. Yeah. Talk to my brother about that. He loves that shit. Uh, all right. Number three was gear grinder. All right. So this is kind of what we're talking about. So I don't know. This is, does it bother you? Do you ever get people ask you like you'll, put in voiceover work or they'll find out that you do voiceover work and they ask, Oh, is that your full-time job? Are you a full-time voiceover artist? Uh, I say, uh, no, but does that happen? <laughs> no, not, not usually because I think well, when I say I'm an actor, like, Oh, they, I'll get the question you asked. What are you working on? Yeah. What are you working on? Um, and I'll say, Oh, I'm doing a lot of voiceover, but usually the people that ask me this are the ones who are, they're at work. I'm at work with them. And oh, it's like, okay. they know that, that's that, nice. that my full-time job is like, I know it's not because I see you here eight yeah. hours a day. <laughs> you make my coffee. There, I, there's something about that question that it's like it is somehow equally flattering and it stings just as much. Like It's a backhanded compliment, right. kind of, almost like shady. Because like, the, the, the assumption is that if you're so good, if you're a professional musician, why am I talking to you? <laughs> Like I, because I, I, that's how yeah. I, I like. If, if you're, you're so high and mighty, yeah. how come you're talking to me like I'm some like like we're the same like person? You're just a normal dude trying yeah. to live your life, and that's why I think it's a oh, so you do that full time, right? And like, well, no, I have a job. Like I, I'm a teacher. Oh, so you're like me, because I I build model ships in my basement, <laughs> you know. So we're like the same. So I don't know why you're acting like. You're cooler than me. I I identified myself as a charter accountant. You yeah. said you're a musician, so but you're not full time. I'm a full time charter accountant right. who builds model ships in his basement. Should I have said I'm I'm Hey, my name's <laughs> I'm a, Charles. I'm a model I, builder. I build model uh, ships in my basement. No, I didn't. Yeah, I I don't know if it's it's that animosity that rubs me the wrong way. It's more <laughs> because it 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 doesn't always come like when I introduce myself as a musician which i don't like often do i'm not like walking out as people like hey i'm i'm a professional musician but um but it's like it'll be like during a set break or something like that yeah. someone will come up they'll be like wow you guys are good do you guys do this full time and um, i don't know what it, again it's very flattering yeah. it's very nice that you assume that we could do it but it's it stings at the same time well, why would they ask that that's my like if you so, I wouldn't. That would not be the question I ask. Like, yeah. if, if first of all, I usually don't speak to musicians <laughs> or comics. Like, when they, like I'll like say good set. You avoid them whenever. Well, like possible. it's like because I mean I'll say good, great set, right? Because I have nothing to offer them. Like if I was somebody having left a stage and gone out into a lobby after a show, uh, some people come up and say like, that was great. Like, and they'll they'll talk to you. And they'll tell you that you were that they enjoyed your performance, which is always very flattering. You do it for the audience, um, 
but like sometimes you said end up speaking to people about uh, like about nothing for yeah. a long time which sorry like, I, I it's when you do it enough times it because I, I sound like a dick right now like you don't like your fa- <laughs> I, I don't have many fans so I'm not like pushing them away or anything like that but um I don't as somebody who's gone through that, I would like I hey you did a good job and then you get out of their hair sure because they they probably want to get their costume off or they want to get to drinking hanging out with their friends like because I also like yeah. I, I that would lo- be a weird context to, to approach somebody like after a show and be like hey that was a really 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 great performance are you a full time actor, actor? Like, yeah what? they don't do that but like, you do the musicians but I would never do that with like a, if I saw a band like first off I probably assume that they're not. Based like or well right. depends like it depends but on is how that much better or worse I don't well, even how much know. how much did I pay for the show yeah. if if I paid a lot I'm like I assume you are full time should be yeah which it, because I I paid ten dollars for the show and there are three bands on the set I'm going to guess that maybe none of you do this full time or you're touring and you are trying your darndest to make this a full time thing um, and so it is but if I know you're touring. If you're a local band, then maybe not. Be the way, like, if you're not or you are, if I paid $50, obviously you are. And I'm not going to ask that question anyway because, of course, you are. Yeah. And if you're not, then weird. Great, you're that talented where on the weekends you can pl- you can sell $50 tickets and then you work as, you know, a barber seven days, a, you know, like five days a week. <laughs> yeah. Or what? Or whatever the fuck. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a weird question. Okay, it's. I'm glad that you... That, that that resonated with you the same. And I, th- I, I've never been able to pinpoint why that question bothered me. I think because it's because it's normies. The, w- and well, yeah, and the normies are tr- they're trying to compliment you. I, I honestly, I genuinely want to believe that people are trying to compliment you, saying like, "Do you do this full time? If not, you could or you should." Yeah, it's kind of like, like those. Do you people- think I w- I would if I could? Yeah, there are people that uh, approach my wife Beth, and they'll always say like. Oh, you should go on American Idol. That's <laughs> like, what you t- why would I do that? That sounds miserable. <laughs> that sounds awful. Yeah, because I've, they don't just they don't know any better. They don't. Well, yeah. They think that's the way that you come like, up. Oh, like yeah, yeah, like when you got, when you get done with an improv set and then like yeah, uh, are, you, are you gonna go on SNL? Yeah. Like, like sure, yeah. you no. should do that. Yeah, you, should you should go, go on, on SNL. SNL. Like, oh really? Okay, well okay. Because it's, it's the th- it's the thing that they know. Like it, it right. It's again, I agree. Like, it's, it's a compliment. It is a compliment. It just comes off as very um, uh, <laughs> uninformed. It's yeah. It's it's a little ignorant, but um, but what do you get? Like if it's coming from a good place, as long as it's not like, oh, do you do this full time? Right. Like I'm judging you. <laughs> that was not a full. T- that was not the performance of a full time musician. <laughs> All right, what's next on the list? All right, hey, gear t- grinder. Tell me if we're uh, if I'm running. How many more you got? That was number three. I have not. Okay, okay, okay. Let's, we'll, we'll keep our we'll keep our responses right. a little more succinct. <laughs> uh, so, and we already kind of talked about this, but it's like you say uh, you'd be like, oh, I'm a, you know, I'm an actor, and they'll be like, oh, what, well, what are you working on now? Yep. Uh, or or that's a that's an okay question. Like, what are you working on now, or where are you playing next? Those are fine questions. The question is, where have you played? Have I seen you anything? What do you want me to fucking list off the 120 venues that I've played at? I don't know, man. Like, go on the website. Look at it. Actually, I've, with the, the, I'll, I'll keep this short. The actor thing is like, have I seen you in anything? Right. And I'm like, I don't know. Are you watching uh, weird indie horror <laughs> films on Amazon? Like, like what I, I was gonna say, would I be working? Because it's usually people when I tell them I'm, I'm an actor and I'm at work, like 
if if you had seen me in something, I probably wouldn't be working here. Right. I would be working as an actor. Or we would have already had that conversation. <laughs> or, yeah, like, or you wouldn't have to ask that because right. you would know. Oh, you're the guy from that thing. Yeah. That's what you'd say. Like, I knew I knew you from something. Like, right. All right. Gear uh, grinder. Um, uh, this is kind of the same vein as, uh, again, uh, people who ask if it's your full-time jobs. When other bands come up to you and they say, you'd be a really good opening act for us. Ooh. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Again, intended as a compliment, but it's like, why would I be the opening? Maybe you should be the opening egg, jerk. Yeah, it's. I know they're trying to say we have a we'd be good on a bill together, but also, right. Do you know what I say about most opening good opening acts? It's like it. It's like an appetizer. It it whets your appetite right. for the main course. It's not the thing that you you talk about the main course after you leave. The appetizer is like, oh, and there's a good appetizer. Yeah. It's like, but you talk a long time about how good that steak was see i don't know i i've actually gone to a lot of shows in recent years that's the intention where it's like i'll i'll gravitate more towards an opener or the non-headliner like it'll be a, a you know four bands on a bill and it'll be like band number two i was like holy cow why weren't they headlining that was a great performance that, that that's happened to me more and more and more and um the first time that really happened to me uh when i saw elvis costello open for bob dylan okay Bob Dylan is really old. Yes. Elvis Costello is not as old. And <laughs> uh, it was just Elvis Costello on stage with like he had his his uh, his case of like it was a case. It was like a, a, a I don't even know what you call it. Like it, it wasn't a guitar rack. It had like a rack of guitars. Like yeah. He had like five guitars on stage with him. And he just blew Bob Dylan out of the water. Right. Solo. Yeah. Elvis Costello. I, I went to see uh, John Prine at the maybe it was the Chicago Theater recently it was just on his last tour and um and i you know you go see john prine you kind of know what you're expecting he's like 80 and he, you know he's never been like a high energy performer and he's more of a songwriter than yeah than uh a performer but um he was good and he was fine and again i knew what i was expecting but uh milk carton kids open for him who i was only vaguely aware of um, I've never even heard of exactly. them. I, I'd heard of them, and I'd maybe heard a song or two. Um, and they did a set before, and I was just like, I was blown away. I was like, man, these guys are, I, I was like, these guys are going somewhere. They'd already, they were, they're somewhere, man. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're doing it. So, uh, yeah. All right. We're going to plow through these last All right. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. We're having a good conversation. <laughs> we're just, we're um, running out of time. Um. This very, very specific one. Uh, guys who've been musicians for like decades who do not know how to take care of their equipment. Oh, jeez. You're like, or, or this will happen a lot. You're playing a gig and someone's like, Hey, can I help you break down? And you're like, uh, sure. And then they're like tying all your cables and knots and they're putting your mic stands away without loosening anything. So like, and everything's bending out of, it's just, it's a pain in the ass. Gear grinder. Um, Uh, number nine. I was, I was. I'm gonna skip it around now. So oh, no, uh, we're talking, requesting songs from bands that clearly aren't gonna play those songs. Yep. On one of our very first gigs, like I said, Beth and I started playing like American Great American Songbook, like 40s jazz standards, um, and we went in like Minnie the Moocher. You guys play that? We you? we do play Minnie the Moocher, but but earlier than that, we were playing things like um, like Gershwin tunes and oh, stuff sure, like sure, that. Sure. So um, 
And there was this place we actually auditioned for them, and they were it was a cocktail bar, and they were like, "Yeah, come in and yeah, you guys sound great. Come like in." Davenport's or something. Like it that. was it was of that. It was out in like the Western Burbs, oh, sure, and it was sure. like a high end. Of they, that, like they, it was fairly pricey. And, oh, and I nice. thought, oh, this will be a good fit. Um, we went and we auditioned. We played like three songs that were all like of that same like '40s jazz standard thing. And they're like, "Yeah, that sounds great. Come on in." And so we came in and we set up. And we're about to start, and the owner comes over. She's like, hey, it's my dad's birthday, and he's a big Jimmy Buffett fan. And I was like, well, fucking good for him. We're going to play our set. Why would I play a Jimmy Buffett song right now? You heard what we played. It happens all the time. Woo. <laughs> it's like going, if you saw a Rolling Stones show, and then you're like, hey, can you guys play Paperback Writer? I'd see, no, no. I'd be like, I feel like it'd be like asking them to play, uh, you know, uh, um, got something off. It takes a nation of million to hold us back. If it had a Rolling Stone, like ask, play some Public Enemy. Hey, Jagger, sing Public Enemy. Like, um, and my last thing was just um, grinder, and you brought this up too. Is is because you're doing whatever you're doing in your free time, it prevents you from doing. Like other things, and like one of the things that I really, really miss doing is like kind of seeing my friends and family members who are artists and performers do what they do. Yeah, because I'm never available for it. It's like, oh, I'm playing a show this Saturday, and it's like, well, yeah, so am I, and I'm never ever going to get to see you play. So that that is, so it does. It there is a price you pay. There's, that's the price. The price of. <laughs> Of, uh, let's not say fame. The price of mediocrity. Uh, and on that note, Tank, thank you so much for Brian Blankenship. Thank you so much for coming out. Ben, at, thanks for having me. Yeah, no, it was a great time. Uh, we'll be back again for more of this kind of podcasting when I put another episode up. Thank you, everybody. You'll like this one. It was a little Spanish beat, a record star, Tito Dipi. He heard of singers like Beatles, the Chipmunks he's seen on TV. Why not a little Spanish beat? It wasn't until like the very end that I actually realized how hot it was. Yeah, I'm just having a good time. Yeah, and that's distracting enough. Well, think...